Well, you gotta love a little Earth, Wind, and Fire to get you started. It is the Paul's Ice Show, and of course, Earth, Wind, and Fire is good for your soul. Gave you a little soul food there to start the show. I was just telling my producer, Joel, I had actually called. Uh, I was going to be a few minutes late. I was in a golf outing today with two listeners who had won a, uh, who had won a, a, a different golf uh, event with me and Doran during our Feed the Need, right? And uh, let me tell you something. One, the, the husband is 85 years old. The wife is 81. So I said, yeah, I'll play with you. Well, it, it got started a, a lot later than, than it was supposed to because of the rain. But I'm amazed. People in the Two people in their 80s that play golf pretty much every single day, right? They were so much fun to play with. I don't – listen – I think it's it's always uh, it's always amazing, and I say this all the time. I really really hope that Joel, when I when I'm 85 years old, I I hope I have as much energy as those two that I just played with, right? I would agree with you on that. I mean, it's it's it's, something. it's pretty cool to me. It is pretty cool to me from the standpoint of um, the fact that they're able to go out there and enjoy just enjoy being outside and being able to play and. You know, at about the 15th hole, the wife, uh, she got, Carla, she got a little bit tired and decided she didn't want to play anymore. And then uh, I had to leave after the 16th hole anyway. So it's me. I'm Paul Zeiss. Uh, but I had, a, I had a wonderful day despite the rain, despite the, the fact that it was cold out there. It wasn't exactly pristine golf weather. Um, I'm just happy i don't know what i don't know how else to say it other than i'm happy because i had the experience of being able to play golf with guy with people that are really you know a lot older than me that are still enjoying their life you know and in the winter they go to florida they play golf in florida you know for three or four months and then they they've got a house down there they've got a house here hopefully at 80 something joel i'm able to to, to have that exact experience right have a house in florida have a house here be able to play golf you know as much as i want to play golf have my health and all that other stuff it's something we should all aspire to every one of us and so uh you know i thank you know the coltons uh for having me out there uh, i was at butler country club which is an incredible course by the way it's an incredible course um I had heard about it. It was the first time I've ever played it. But I had heard about it before, um, and, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Every single person that I've talked to have, had told me that. it's a, You're going to love that course. And really, I do love that course. Um, so it is one of those things where I would tell you, I had a really good day. I did. Of course, it made me a few minutes late getting here, but we've got it taken care of. And, of course, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, we've got Jason Mackey actually coming up at uh, 625 or whatever. So we're going to go right to Jason Mackey, talk a little Pirates. Buckos had a good weekend, two out of three against the Mets. Um, I think the most important thing that happened this weekend, though, was Mitch Keller yesterday. 
got back on track. He really got back on track and was able to get it done. So uh, we are going to uh, we are going to get going here. It is the Paul's Eye Show. We've got a lot to get to, and we are going to get it all in between now and ten thirty. Do you agree with that, Joel? We're going to get it all in. You know darn well. Let's do it. All right, brother. It's the Paul's Eye Show. It's ninety three seven. The fan. Well, you know, with the Pirates headed one, two out of three this weekend. By the way, the Paul's Eye Show brought to you by Archie's on Carson Street. Get down to Archie's. Official chicken wing on the fan. Archie's home of 80-cent wings. 93, uh, uh, 80-cent wings Monday through Thursday. Home of the Paul's Eye's grilled cheese sandwich. is the official chicken wing of the fan. Also, Twitter brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. In Peters Township, visit them online at southhillsjeep.com or text us on the Edgar Snyder & Associates fan text line. 412-928-9370, Edgar Snyder & Associates, remind you to text responsibly. Let's go to the uh, Nemecolon hotline. Around every corner, Nemecolon creates real-life magic for guests. And talk to our good friend, uh, Jason Mackey, who writes for the Post-Gazette, covers the Pirates. And Jason, um, after that 6-19 uh, and 19 stretch where they – Obviously played some really, really poor baseball. Uh, it really appears like the Pirates have sort of gotten themselves back on track. And probably, you know, what we've seen recently, uh, this is probably closer to who they are. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Um, I wouldn't say that, what if they want 7 of 10? I mean, obviously that's a little bit lofty, but are they going to be competitive in games? Are they going to be able to stay competitive because of their division? As things currently stand, yeah, I think so. I, I think this is, you know, one of the better teams in the National League Central. Um, again, I'm not putting them up as a playoff contender or anything like that, but most nights they're not going to embarrass themselves. They've got some exciting young players. They can do some things. They can score some runs, move around the bases. Um, their starting pitching, by and large, has been pretty good. They've got a good back end of the bullpen. And they're, they're a whole too, Paul. You know, defensively they haven't played as well as they should. Um, you know, some nights they tend to go quiet. Getting the ball to the back end can be a struggle. Their starting pitching depth is not great. But, you know, all in all, this should be enough to compete. Well, I would say this. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people that want the two young catchers or one of the two young catchers or both of them to come up. Uh, but I've said this, and I said this last night on TV and everything else. I feel like this is a team right now they're in first place. Exactly why is everybody focused I yep. mean, I mean, focused yep. on trying to bring up, you know, young guys and this and that and everything. I mean, what they're doing seems to be working right now. This seems like put on a tee for a Paul Zeiss rant, man. I mean, it really does. Like, they're a game over first place on June 12th, and we're crying about a catcher who's hitting 251. Nothing against Andy Rodriguez, but, like, wouldn't you want him to hit his way up here and earn his way up here? And you're saying Henry Davis. Okay, he tore up double A. Well, if you looked at his stats over the past, like, three weeks, they're not good. Um, you know, defensively, everybody made a big deal out of Henry Davis throwing a runner out in his triple-A debut. Well, between him and Andy in two nights, they allowed 10 guys to steal in 11 attempts. That was the only one they threw out. Like, you know, these guys have work to do defensively. As much as people don't want to admit it, Austin Hedges has been really, really good for this pitching staff. They count on him for a lot. You can look at defensive metrics. The Pirates have the best catching tandem in Major League Baseball. If you believe in defensive runs saved, 
defensive outs above average, fan drafts, that sort of thing. Their framing has been the best in the league. Um, you know, it's been a big part of why they pitched well. And we're crying about the guy who's hitting 251 in AAA. I just don't get it. It's nothing against Andy or Henry. It's just like there's a watchable product right in front of you right now. The Pirates are literally in first place. And, and we're still crying over the kids and, like, you know, things aren't going to be perfect until we get the next thing. It's, it's really strange, a really strange dynamic from the fan base. The, uh, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're bringing up a pitcher, the one thing that a lot of people had questions about, and Jason, you, you obviously would know that we're talking about Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette. Why not Quinn Priester for tomorrow night's start? Yeah, it's just been too inconsistent for him. I, I don't think he's a finished product. I think you risk, you know, planting that in his brain. Like if things go terribly, you're going to have Quinn questioning himself, not sure what he's doing. Like he needs to continue throwing at AAA and get to the point where he has more than like three or four starts in a row before a clunker. Um, you know, he's got a four and a half ERA at this point. And somebody's going to point at that and say, well, the guy they called up also has a four and a half ERA. And I get that. And probably the uncomfortable thing to say is that they care less about Osvaldo Beto potentially getting blown up than they do Quinn Priester. Not that, you know, they, not that they don't care what happens to Beto, but, I mean, you really need to get the Priester thing right. First-round pick, top five prospect, top 100 prospect in the game. Like, they need to make sure he gets to the major leagues in an efficient way and in a confident way, and you risk that. And they, they need a starter. Beto honestly looked really good in spring fall. I liked him. He he impressed me. I know it was just one start, two innings. Not like he threw a bunch, but um, 96 with a, a sharp slider, throwing two different kinds of fastballs. Um, he's gotten some strikeout stuff in AAA. I, I want to see what the kid can do. It's it's no worse than some of the pitching we've seen over the past couple of years. I know that. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing about it is um, I think that, you know, when you look at what they've done so far this season, and I'm talking about the pitching staff, the, you know, the Pirates do need a little bit of depth with their starters and, and whatnot. But yesterday, Mitch Keller, I think, probably uh, ended a little bit of the speculation that maybe, you know, uh, what we had seen the last, you know, what, three months here and then the last three or four months or whatever it was last year, that maybe, you know, that it was just sort of a, an exception. Yesterday, he kind of put, that all to rest, didn't he, with the way that he pitched yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, I really liked what I saw from Mitch. And you know what was cool, and I talked to Mitch about this after the game, where in his previous life, if things were going poorly, he didn't have a plan. He couldn't, like, calmly sit there and say, okay, well, I need to turn this knob this way, this knob that way, and then I'm going to go do that. Like, that's what he did with Austin Hedges and Oscar Marine, the pitching coach. And, you know, it was fairly simple. And it's a nice luxury to have. And it's it's something – there's something to be said for that for any pitcher, really, where you can just, like, step back and self-assess and change things rather quickly. And that's what Keller did. He said, I wanted to use my cutter more. He did. He used it. It's a nice weapon to lefties and righties and everybody. Um, you know, and, and had a much better start. And the Mitch of old would not have been able to find answers – so quickly and it proves to me exactly what you said Paul that the guy we saw for the balance of this year outside of the past three starts the guy we saw for you know the final four months last year that is Mitch Keller that is the guy he is real um, everybody's going to have a bad couple of starts that's, that's fine that's how you respond to him and he did he responded in a big way and this team needs him to be that 
front of the rotation, you know, all-star game level type. Yeah, I mean, I think Mitch Keller is, is, is probably the key for the Pirates. If he can continue to have a good season, it means that every fifth day they're at least going to be guaranteed that they're, you know, that they'll have somebody going to the, to the, the pitcher's uh, mound who gives them a chance to win, and that probably is going to uh, minimize the really long losing streaks that we've seen from this team over the course of time. And that's really what you want from your, uh, from your ace, correct? Yeah, and not only that, Paul, like, look at the top three of their rotation with Rich Hill and Johan Oviedo. Like, those guys, by and large, have been a pretty respectable group. Um, now, who fills in around them? I don't know. Uh, you know, Vince Velasquez being hurt hurts. Rowanzi Contreras is underperformed. He's now in the bullpen. I don't know what to make of Luis Ortiz. Um, Osvaldo Vito is going to get a shot. I think Quinn Priester is going to get a shot at some point. I mean, that's kind of not so cut and dry with what you're going to get out of those other two spots. But at the same time, if you're anchored by three really good ones, and I've really liked what Rich Hill has done. Johan Oviedo, believe it or not, has one of the best ERAs in baseball over his past five or six starts, um, maybe even extending more than that. But again, the point is that they've been good. They need to figure out a couple of other answers. I hope the stint with Contreras and the bullpen works. With Mitch Keller, it didn't take very long. He found a magic tool and the sinker really helped them out. I think they're probably expecting it to be longer with Rowe. Um, and we also saw two starts ago with Luis Ortiz looking really, really, really good. So it's in there. It's just a matter of how quickly it comes out and some of these other guys. Um, but to my earlier point, this, there's a nice nucleus here that should keep your heads above water more often than not. No question about it. And I think the other part of it is, Jason, um, and we're talking with Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette. You can find his stuff at postgazette.com. Jason, the other part of it is the division they're in is going to keep them involved and keep them in it probably, you know, Probably into September because I look at their division. I just don't see any team that's going to like sort of, you know, run away and hide. I think they've all got some pretty easy to see, easy to talk about, easy to detect uh, flaws. I totally agree with you, Paul. I totally agree with you. And, you know, I, I keep expecting the Cardinals to figure it out and look like the Cardinals. And the more this goes on, the more I think that the Cardinals are going to just have a down year you know that it's just not in there right now I, I don't know if they have the pitching they have the hitting and you look at the brewers they might have the pitching i don't think they have the hitting um you know and, and are, are the reds for real i i don't see it i mean i think the reds have done some nice things i think they've gotten better i think the cubs have done some nice things but you know i look at this group as a whole i don't see any team that is head and shoulders above any other one um obviously that can change we're still somewhat early in the season but you know, that, that's what gives me hope about this team, that just there, there's not going to be anybody who runs away with it. It's going to be competitive. It's, it's going to be mediocre for a lot of the season, but that should be enough to keep the Pirates in it through the trade deadline. I, I expect that to influence some of their plans and what they do. As You know, the same for injuries, really. Like, you can't trade Rich Hill at this point, right? You already lost Velasquez. You need pitching. You couldn't possibly trade him. You need to keep him around. You're in first place. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see how much the division impacts what they do. Yeah, and I think the big thing is uh, if the division is important, but uh, but also to me, um, if you look at the National League, even Jason, I mean, I, I know the Dodgers are the Dodgers, and maybe you know the Braves are the Braves, but for the most part, 
man, I, I just don't see a whole lot of teams that I, I, I say, wow, they're, that team is definitely going to be a 90-plus win team. Yeah, I mean, I I have a little more trouble going that far out with it, Paul. Just because, like, I look at it when it's all said and done, I, you have to believe that the Braves are going to be there, right? I'd be stunned with what their payroll is if the Mets aren't there somewhere, right? The Dodgers have to be around. The Padres have to be around. Like, you, the Phillies have to be around. I feel like the, the one open spot, the one question mark, and what we, I guess I didn't even talk about, like, the Diamondbacks are there. Are you buying the Diamondbacks? Really, I am. I am buying the Diamondbacks. I, you know, not as somebody that I think is going to win the pennant, but, like, are they going to hang around and stay relevant? Yes. I sort of look at them like the Pirates. Like, they're going to play decent baseball. Um, but I, I do think I, – I, I don't necessarily look at the National League as being wide open. Like, I do some, see some of these, like, big market teams that may be struggling a little bit. They're going to figure it out, man. I just don't the, – there's too much talent on the Phillies for them to stink. There's too much talent on the Padres for them to stink. Sooner or later, they're going to take off. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I could see that, but I'll be honest with you. You know, the fact that the Diamondbacks are 40-25 and 25 right now, I'm still not sure I really believe that they're a team that's going to finish 94-95 wins. I just I, – I, I don't know. I, I have to see it, I guess, to believe it. Yeah, I mean, it is weird. Um, you know, I, like Merrill Kelly, that gallon. Like, I really like their, some of their pitching. Staff-wise, like, it, what's their ERA? Four, four and a quarter, something like that? Like, it's not great. It's not at an elite level. Um, but I don't know, man. I like that Corbin Carroll kid. I really do. Uh, Christian Walker, their first baseman. Like, they've got some guys. Um I guess it's proof. I guess when I think about the Diamondbacks, it's almost proof like the Pirates that you don't necessarily need to have stars. You need to play the game the right way. You need to be able to get decent starting pitching. You need to be able to field it more often than not. You need to have a bunch of matchups that, you know, you can create, force, whatever. Um, It doesn't have to be fancy, man, and that's kind of what the Diamondbacks do. Yeah, there's no question about it. Well, you know, the the, the Pirates have, uh, you know, an interesting nine-game stretch. Still too early for me. I, I know a lot of people like, oh, well, this is the biggest stretch or this is huge or whatever. Still too early for me to get all that excited one way or the other. But they do play the Cubs and Milwaukee over the next nine games. So, you know, what are you expecting to see? And, you know, what 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 would be, you know, success in your mind? What would be a disaster in your mind? I'm expecting to see a division opponent in mid-June for the first time. How about that? Stupid schedule, man. I hate this thing. I don't know why we're in mid-June seeing the Cubs for the first time. That doesn't that doesn't compute to me. Um, I, I guess the other thing I look at, Paul, you said you know every week is the biggest week, and that's true. You know, I think I probably talked to you last week and talked about how big I thought the homestand was going to be, something like that, which is true at the time. Um, but it, I look at this like the Pirates need to keep at least holding serve. You know, if they're able to break serve, that's great, but. You know, if they have this road trip and they go to Chicago and Milwaukee and they come back like 0-6 or something, I feel like fans are looking or anybody observing the Pirates are kind of looking for a reason to just shoot holes in them. You know, oh, same old Pirates. They're back. Look, they stink. Dysfunctional organization. You know, it happened after their, their skid in May, and then they snapped out of it. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much they can keep this going. Um, you know, I want to see what comes of Andrew McCutcheon. I think he was kind of um, – not pressing, but 
you know, he was not having the greatest time getting to 2,000. He did what he should have done, and he, he did the consummate team thing, and I respect him for it. I'm curious to see what comes of it after that. We're due for a Brian Reynolds heater. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens on this trip. I keep expecting him to break out in a big way. Brian Hayes had an awesome homestand. Curious to see where that goes. Uh, the Beto start's going to be a big one in Chicago. I want to see what he has to bring. Um, you know, and a couple starts that they need to be really good, to be honest with you. Like, you need another good Keller outing. You need Rich Hill to give them something. Johan Oviedo, you know, just to continue the starting pitching trend. Well, Jason, I, I know it's your night off, so uh, I will uh, let you go. I appreciate you jumping on and taking a few minutes, but uh, I expect it to be a very interesting summer. Watching the Pirates, I think there are a lot of people that are waiting for them to collapse, but I just don't think that that big collapse is in them. I think this team is actually – I'm not going to say they're going to you know, win the division or anything like that, but I think they're going to hang around for a long, long time. Yeah, I hope so too. It makes things more interesting for me, more interesting for you. I love, I, I hope people get to watch, you know, reasonably competent baseball and talk about reasonably competent baseball deep into the summer, man. This is a good group of dudes. It really is. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to them staying competitive. All right, brother. That's Jason Mackey, right, the Post Gazette. Thanks, man. Jason Mackey, the Post Gazette. I'm Paul Zeiss. It is 93 7 the fan. Joel, you're always my betting guru, and you almost never steer me in the wrong direction. So I'm going to ask you a few questions here about the NBA Finals tonight. Um, Do you think Denver finishes it off? Is it over tonight after tonight? So before the series started, I was thinking Denver and Miami will split the first two games. Denver wins game three. But Miami takes game four. But I just think Denver is riding too much momentum where you could probably take them to win tonight. I think Denver is better. They certainly are. I mean, you know, a lot of times, Joel, we'll spend hours and hours and hours on these stations analyzing games, analyzing, you know, especially the NFL, right? Absolutely. Sometimes, you know what the answer is? One team's just better. I mean, I think, you know, maybe Miami escapes tonight, although I can't imagine that Denver is going to let this get – I mean, it's, a, it's at Denver, right? It's I at can't, Denver. I can't imagine Denver is going to uh, not attack this moment to win it all. I don't know, Miami might play a really good game, but I can't imagine that Denver is not going to finish it off tonight. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Den- Denver has to – they're they're favored by nine. In the NBA Finals game – Denver favored by nine, you got to take Denver. I mean, you at least win. Exactly. But my point is, like, there's a lot of different analysis that a lot of people like to do. They like to use numbers. They like to use analytics. They Sometimes it's just as simple as saying. That's simple. Denver's better. And here's the other thing. Miami doesn't have anybody that can handle uh, Nikolai Jokic, uh, Jokic one-on-one. So if they're going to try and take him away like they did in the one game they won, if they're going to try and take him away, they have to spend so much energy and manpower to do that. And at the same time, Jamal Murray's (laughs) going to drop like 35 on him. It's incredible. The other thing is Jokic, uh, the other thing about it is he's a great passer. Absolutely. He doesn't have to score 40 for them to win. I mean, and so now I heard somebody talking about how Denver is going to be the new Golden State. You know, the the the, the next team to win four or five years in a row. 
I'm not sure I'm ready to go there. I don't I'm, think so either. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to go there I yet. I think Denver would have done something by this point, right? You know, at least make another NBA Finals by this point. Well, here's the other thing. Jamal Murray is a guy, he's been hurt a little bit. He's been very inconsistent. Right now, he's playing at a really high level. And so that changes, you know, Denver completely. But if he were to, like, take a step back a little bit or get hurt next year or whatever, you know what I mean, those things, Denver is not nearly as scary when he's not playing at the level that he's been playing at this year. I just feel like, you know, people get the cart before the horse, so to speak. First of all, they haven't even won this one. I think we're, you know, I think you and I agree they're going to win this one, but I don't know that I'm picking them to win three out of the next four or, you know, whatever, just because I think Jamal Murray is way too much of a wild card. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would I would say so. And like you think about those Golden State teams where it was more than just Steph Curry. You know, they got Klay Thompson, they had Kevin Durant for a couple of those years, Draymond Green's defense. You know, if Jamal Murray is not 100% and and not at his level if they reach another finals next season or two and they got to depend, you know, solely on Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's really tough to say a team is going to be the next big thing for the next three to five years, whatever, like the Golden State Warriors were. I think Denver probably needs another piece or two for that, but it's also, it's just their first, you know, this is probably their first NBA championship. They haven't won anything yet, like you said. <laughs> that's, the, that's what people forget. You know, the people that are already declaring them a dynasty, it's like, could they win the first one before we declare them a dynasty? Uh, but I, I really, like I said, I, I, I enjoy watching jo- Jokic play, and I'll tell you why. He's kind of an old school post player in some ways. Obviously, he shoots threes and he and he does some of those stuff, but he posts up really well. He's very efficient when they throw it into him. He's very good at throwing, you know, at passing. Finding, you know, when the double team comes, finding the open guy. He's unselfish. And I think the other thing is he's kind of one of those superstars you can root for because he's not, like, overly cocky. He's got no ego to him. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, all he wants to do is win. You Absolutely. Know? I'll tell you what's funny is um, I looked up uh, – is his name Mike Malone? Is that his yes, name? Yes, that's their head coach. Th- their head coach. Have you ever have you ever looked at his resume before this? Have you like I was like, boy, where did this guy come from? Like, I I was trying to figure out like how did they come up with this guy? He must be an incredible coach. You know, he was in Sacramento for two years and was terrible. At least his record was terrible. But it just goes to show you that sometimes, you know, when you and, and actually his first what three years in Denver, they missed the playoffs. So it just goes to show you that sometimes all you need to do is get a couple of good players, and all of a sudden you go from being a guy who was fired in Sacramento to being, you know, now there are some people talking about him being one of the better coaches in the in the NBA. I still think even if they win, Spolstra to me is absolutely you know and i know popovich has a bunch of uh nba titles if i had to you know if say you and i you know both hit the powerball 
on consecutive weeks and we decided we're going to go together and we're going to buy an NBA team, wouldn't you agree that if you had every coach at your disposal, you would hire Spolstra or Steve Kerr, right? Yeah, probably one of those two when you consider it's it's so hard to win multiple championships. You know, every team gets their, you know, one-year wonder championship. Yeah. But at two, to win multiple championships, that's – that's something pretty darn good. I really, I like I said, I I'm a, I'm impressed far more with what Spolster has done since the super team of the you know the LeBron that whole group broke up Wade. Um, I think he's done an incredible job, and he's done so without having those kind of superstars. Absolutely. So you know, even though even though he's probably going to lose tonight, I I, I kind of feel like. Bolster is a guy that probably is one of the top two coaches in the NBA right now. They're always a really sneaky team year in and year out. You never see them at the front of the NBA draft lottery ever. They're always at least close to the playoffs. And again, like you said, they really have no star power ever since LeBron left. Jimmy Butler's been really good, especially when he's playing in the postseason, of course. But, you know, he's getting it done with his five starters, whoever he has that night, and a lot of his bench pieces. They're all – it's a really good overall team atmosphere that he's got in Miami year in and year out. Let me ask you this last question. Do you think because Denver's winning and they've won the title, do you think that we'll see, you know, maybe the end of that whole we have to have a super team that's compiled with three superstars that come together and all that other stuff? Do you think that maybe we've seen the end of that? Hopefully. I mean, because Denver's got two with Jokic and Murray. They really don't have that third. But more superstar. importantly, it wasn't it wasn't a situation of where they all got together and said, hey, we all got to go to Denver. That's correct. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my question is, if Denver wins it, which it looks like they're going to, do you think that maybe um, owners will be a little more reluctant to just basically try and put together these super teams? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, where did Philadelphia go? Where did the Brooklyn Nets go with Irving, Harden, and Durant? Uh, the L.A. Clippers, uh, Leonard and George were hurt throughout the year, but they didn't get very far. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's almost it's almost has to almost has to be that where you don't need this one, two, three punch of star players all together. Maybe it's almost a bad thing for teams. Denver minus eight and a half. If it was your mortgage payment and you didn't have uh, any uh, other money coming in, which way are you going? I think I have to take the momentum right now with, with Denver minus eight and a half, even though this is Miami's do or die game. It's at Denver. It's not going to be one of those Georgia TCU kind of games, but it feels like this one could be over by halftime, third quarter, and Denver can get some of their, you know, bench guys getting some good minutes in the fourth quarter, leading up to the uh, trophy presentation and celebration. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing is, um, to me, it's like I think Denver is going to win. And I have them winning by about fifteen, you know, fifteen, sixteen. So I think they're gonna they're gonna cover it. So uh, 